When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, everybody. Uneducated Economist here. So I've had a few people ask me to describe a zombie corporation, like give me give them the definition of a zombie corporation. And I don't know if I can actually do that. I don't know what the definition of a zombie corporation really is. I mean, if you ask me my opinion on it, I would say that a zombie corporation is a corporation that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the fact that they're able to take out ever increasing amounts of cheap debt. That's pretty simple as far as like an explanation goes. I mean, there's people out there who are zombie people. Like, you know, they have taken out so much debt paying their bills that if they weren't able to like have access to a credit card, then somebody would not be getting paid at the end of the month. That would be a zombie person. I mean, they cannot function without taking out ever increasing amounts of debt. So the Federal Reserve, they kind of describe it a little differently. They call this, as far as a zombie requirement, require that a zombie firm in the U.S. data be requiring highly leveraged and unprofitable. More precisely, we require that a zombie firms have leverage above the sample annual median, interest cover ratio below one, and negative real sales growth over the preceding three years. Now, I think about that last sentence a little bit because the rest of it, you know, the Federal Reserve is confusing on everything they say, but negative real sales growth over the preceding three years. That's part of their requirement as far as being the zombie corporation. So I don't think the Federal Reserve really has the idea of how many zombie corporations exist in the United States, considering part of their metrics is having negative real sales growth over the past three years. I mean, what if you have been doing terrible for the last two years? You're not considered a zombie until it's been three years of negative sales growth. So the Federal Reserve is probably not the most accurate place to go to as far as trying to decide on whether or not there is zombie corporations running amok in the United States, because like I said, they're metrics of what a zombie corporation really takes it back three years so i mean as far as like needing to have ne have negative real sales growth for three years anyway um i'm gonna leave a link down in the description for the federal reserves like idea of zombie corporations and i want to thank uh what was it she'll talk so anyway i'm sorry um there was an individual who brought that up, brought that zombie article up from the Federal Reserve. I really appreciate that, brother. I had not seen that yet. So when I looked that up, it was quite enlightening to find. So thank you very much. You know, I learned more from you guys in the comments section than you guys will ever learn from me. Um, so I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, but in this Wall Street Journal article, uh, they, they talk about laying the foundations for the future debt crisis. And now they quoted this Greg Lamos Stein. He's the chief analyst for the uh, corporate ratings for the S&P. And he said, it might not come home to roost in the next year or even longer, but there are clear signs of risk taking and a lot of lower rated issuance. 
we think this will lead to elevated levels of defaults down the road. So this guy is really concerned about the situation that we're in right now with the amount of corporations and how low the yields are and how much they have taken out. I guess this is like $650 billion so far in junk bonds sold this year with another four months to go. And I guess that's going to break the record. So anyway, junk bonds are just running amok right now. And I think probably like one of the biggest reasons they, they are is because the interest rates on U.S. Treasuries have become so low, the yields that they pay, that investors who are looking for a fixed income are trying to find higher yields anywhere out there. And they find it in those high yielding junk debt because that's the one place that they can still get a return or at least a yield on their investment, the fixed income, even if it is risky. The whole idea that, you know, when you invest money into a corporation, when, you, when you're investing your money into a high yield junk bond, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's junk bond because the risk of default is huge. When you invest your money or lend your money to the government, you're guaranteed you're going to get a return. You're going to guarantee that you're going to get the principal plus the interest rate. You're not going to be guaranteed a purchasing power from that, but you are definitely going to get your money back, no doubt about it, zero chance of default. Not the same thing going on with the corporate bonds. There's a huge chance of default where you're not going to get your money back or you're only going to get a partial of your money back. Here's the problem is that the interest rates on those bonds, the government bonds are so low, everybody's diving into the corporate bonds which is then driving the prices up and the yields down. So now the yields on these corporate bonds are getting closer and closer to the government bonds. The high risk, you know, high chances of default, the yield on them is getting closer and closer and closer to the government bonds. The risk didn't go away. The risk is still huge. But the demand for it is so big that the prices are going up and the yields are coming down. That's a very dangerous situation. A lot of investors don't realize how risky of, a, of an investment they're getting into. They're just trying to chase down that yield and they're finding it in those high, high yielding corporate debt. It can be a real problem. Listen to this. Because, you know, really the reason why that took place, I guess I should go into the special purpose vehicles. Like when the Federal Reserve fired up their quantitative easing. When the pandemic started kicking in, they locking down the government, locking down all the stores, locking down all the restaurants and people had to stay at home. It was going to create a hell of a situation amongst the entire economy. Part of that was getting funding to the corporations, right? Now corporations fund themselves by selling bonds. The Federal Reserve, in conjunction with the Treasury, set up a special purpose vehicle where they stated that they were going to be buying these corporate bonds. That statement freaked the markets out. They thought for sure that the Federal Reserve was going to be picking and choosing the winners and losers and that corporate bonds were then going to be on the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve, like they were going to have them running right alongside the treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. The Treasury and the Fed, they set up that special purpose vehicle. They funded it. They bought a little bit of corporate debt. And that was enough to establish the credible threat and the flood of people, investors, everybody out there started buying into the corporate debt, trying to front run the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve sat back and said, good job, boys. We hardly had to do anything at all. Now, they did purchase a little bit of corporate debt, but not nearly as much as they could have or they threatened that they were going to do. They just bought a little bit and that's all they needed to do. Just establishing that credible threat was enough to get the people to try and front run them. Now... 
this is what it, what the uh, what Greg Lemos had to say about that. It said it advert it. I'm sorry, guys. It adverted a much worse downturn for corporations, but the trade-off is that it leads to an increase in risk and possible creation of asset bubbles, and that's exactly what has taken place right now. So you think about it: all the stock market, real estate market, bond market, everything is all elevated into these bubble territories on account of this kind of situation that had taken place. Um, Christine Paget. She is the head of leverage at financing research and analytics at Moody's. She said, uh, if, we, if you were to take a forward view, there are many more companies that are fragile. Right? So these fragile companies who, again, have taken out incre increasing amounts of debt in order to stay in operation. Here's the problem. They're sitting in an environment that is conducive to it. What if the environment changes? Listen to this. They have layered on a lot of debt. What if growth slows beyond what is what if growth slows beyond what is anticipated? When the balance sheet was structured, what if real rates rise or inflation remains higher for longer than we think? What may be manageable given today's outlook could be unsustainable if higher cost or lower growth environment. So that's the big thing. What if things start to change? What if growth, you know, sales, you know, everything starts to slow down? Are these corporations going to be able to generate enough revenue to pay back the, all those bonds that they have sold? Like they were gorging on this cheap debt while everybody is like willing to fund them. And that's cool because if you can get funding, then you can roll your debt into new debt. No problem. But the moment that the debt stops being purchased from the investors are like, yeah, you're too risky. I'm going to either have to ask for a higher yield or a lower price on those bonds. Well, then the corporations are like, well, we really can't afford to pay a higher interest rate on these bonds. And because the economy is slowing down, we really don't have the revenue to pay the bondholders either. You see the situation that's unfolding there? That's the risk that they're talking about. Um, now, one of the other, um, like I said, I'm going to leave links down in the description for this. Uh, one of the other articles, and I'm not sure what the name of the website is. I believe it was out of Japan, but it, it was a really good article talking about the collateralized loan obligations. And I know this is kind of jumping a little bit from the corporate bonds into the collateralized loan obligations, but it's somewhat similar of the same situation that has taken place. Because like, if a corporation can't sell bonds, like they're just like their creditworthiness is so in the toilet that they can't even sell bonds, then they have to take out loans from banks. And now this creates a whole other situation. Um, and that's where that Japanese article does a great job talking about the CLOs. Uh, this Kayuchi Takahide, um, he's the executive of economy at the Nomura Research. Anyhow, um, this is what he had to say. Prices of high yield assets that their levels and their levels do not match the risk. There are examples of mispricing in the markets. High yield assets as such as junk bonds are being overbought. Where there's mispricing, financial chaos tends to follow. So that's very interesting to hear him say that. Now the CLO market, this is really interesting. That article is well worth reading. It's a little long, but it's, it's, it's worth it. Now, 
The CLO market, this is really interesting. The collateralized loan obligations. A lot of these corporations, like I said, when they can't sell their bonds, they go to the banks and they borrow money. Now these banks, they have all these loans that they've given out to all these businesses and they're high risk, high you know, chances of default going on on these loans. I mean, this is like, you know, if you, if you can't sell a junk bond, then this is like the last bit of chance of you being able to get a loan. I mean, that's, this is where it comes from. These banks who have these, these loans, they collateralize them, collateralized loan obligations. So here's all these businesses that are high risk who banks have loaned money to. They take those, those loans, right, that are due back to them. I mean, as these, you know, businesses are paying back their loans, you know, the banks get paid back from it. They collateralize these loans. Once they've collateralized them, now they can cut them up into tranches. And this is where it gets really confusing. Now, you think about it, these are, these are like the high risk, like there is no way that anybody wants to loan these companies money. So the bank will loan them money. The bank then takes their, their loan, jumbles it up with a bunch of other loans, cuts them into a higher tranche, basically meaning that as these loans pay off, there's a certain segment of this, of this collateralized loan obligation, the security that they have built, that's going to get paid first. Like above everybody else, you know, whoever pays their loans back, this little section of the security is going to get paid first above anybody else. They can give that little section of that security of that collateralized loan obligation a AAA rating, meaning that they can sell it to like retirement funds or, you know, pension funds, stuff like that. Typically, these are like investors who are limited on what rating that they can buy. Like it has to achieve a certain rating. These companies would never even come close to meeting that kind of rating to get the money from those pension funds. But if the bank loans them money and then takes that loan and jumbles it up with a whole bunch of other loans, collateralized loan obligations, builds it into tranches, takes that top tranche saying, hey, we're going to get paid first but above anybody else. This is a triple A rating investment, even though everything that went into that investment is complete garbage. That's something to think about. And that's a huge thing that's taking place right now. The collateralized loan obligations. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. I will leave links down in the description for you guys. Love to get your thoughts on this one. Uneducated economist, you guys let me know.